Hello. Hello, everybody. We're back. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, but given that there's not much happening now, we thought that we might um, release something. Yeah. You know. Um, given the fact that um, I think just tonight uh, that twat Boris Johnson has released, um, well, not released. That's the wrong word to use. He's basically put us on lockdown. So we thought to try and avoid going fucking mental by ourselves in the house that we'd pick this podcast back up again and try you know the name of the podcast is mock the bleak we're in a pretty fucking bleak situation so we're gonna try and mock each other (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and make you feel a bit better about it so we've thought of a couple ideas for today haven't we yes we have so the main gist of today as i mentioned it's a bleak time things are shit as it is so we thought while a lot of people are going to be in isolation at the moment a lot of people are going to be inside um there's a lot of fear there's a lot of paranoia there's a lot of horrible fucking shit happening at the moment we thought we'd give this has been overdone to be honest it's been quite saturated but equally no one can give our perspective like us So what we thought we'd do is give you a couple of ideas of some books, albums and activities to do while you're inside to stop you from killing whoever you're going to be in isolation with. Yes. So. So it's just, it's just stuff to unwind with. I know everyone's talking about it, but again, this is our perspectives and hopefully if you find something you really enjoy, then we've done something good. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to fucking nerd out over everything that I'm going to suggest now. Perfect. Do you want to go first, though? Uh, we're doing the books first? Yeah. Yep, uh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, the first book I'd like to recommend is one that's recently been made free to download. And that is Judge Dredd Case Files Volume 5, which is an anthology of the Judge Dredd comics from 2000 AD. Do you want to explain who it's, Judge Dredd um, actually is? Judge Dredd is a... Um, Basically, in a post-apocalyptic future Earth, Judge Dredd is judge, jury, and executioner. He's um, enforcing the law in a dystopian city called Mega City One. It's very oh, give it's, the give the give the littering example. Um, but it's very dystopian, but in a very over-the-top comic it's way. It's camp and gory, yes, isn't it? Yes, as in um, citizens can't commit suicide because it's considered littering. Um, there's one comic well no like for example if someone went to jump out of a window yeah they'd be done for they'd be considered littering putting your body on and also someone being detained and questioned because being seen as happy is considered criminally insane or suspicious yep so um, it's free to download it's very British even though it's set in America it's satirical it's very tongue in cheek it never takes itself particularly seriously the artwork's always stunning yeah and best of all um 2000 ad if you go on the website they've recently made the entire volume free to download volume five also i'd suggest because it contains uh, probably two of the best stories which are the like the dark judges who are basically like supernatural monsters and the Apocalypse War, which is basically the big, like, event-changing thing in the Judge Dredd comics. Well, the first cool. one. Yeah, it's it's free, which is good, and even better, so, you know. 
there's no excuse not to download it immediately. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a dick now because none of mine are free. So if you haven't got them in, I guess you can stick an order in. Um, but going down a similar route in terms of kind of comic style things, my first suggestion for books was going to be the Tank Girl volumes one to four. Mainly one. One is my favourite. I've got a tattoo of the um, Tank Girl on the front of it on the back of my leg. Um, Tank Girl is amazing. Again, it's very kind of post-apocalyptic. Australia, it's very camp, very gory. There's loads of shit happening in it. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to ruin it for you. But yeah, Tank Girl is basically like a kind of punky, like anarchist who starts kind of working on behalf of some kind of like post-apocalyptic Australian government and then disbands because she wants to go and get put pissed and um, shag a mutated carrot, a kangaroo. Again, it's um, very British, you know, again, not saying Britain. Yeah. Very, never takes itself too seriously, quite tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah, it's fucking nice. Yeah. I love it. And the artwork is fucking mm. amazing. And if you get the um, volumes, like, one to four, like I mentioned, they come with, like, extra stuff that was in the comics themselves, and stuff like posters. There's even, like... Um, in one of them, I can't remember which one it is, there's like a cut-out cover that you can put on a fag packet, which obviously nowadays, because SIG packets don't have like anything good on the front of them, there's no design, it's just, you know, horrible, gory images. Might be a bit nice to stick a bit, something a bit more pleasant on the front of it. Just a new fag packet. Hell yeah. Um, Lovely, have you got anything else? In terms of books? Um, yes. Another, I'm trying to stick down the um, free route because um, if any of you have library cards or apply to get them, you can download an app called BorrowBox where you can borrow ebooks online. Well, I think, as in, as in Boris Johnson closed libraries now. No, but you can still get a card online. And can you? Can, you? Yeah. Oh, right, cool. And I recommended this because one of the, it's not a specific book, it's a series of books, but I would recommend the Discworld novels. Oh, Terry yeah. Pratchett. Yeah, Terry Pratchett. It's, it's not. Well, it is fantasy, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's very, definitely it's definitely classed as fantasy. But it's though. not Lord of the Rings style. It's not very dense. There is world building, but it's not nothing you have to learn a new language for. It's also very good satire. Oh, it's hilarious. Sat- yeah. It's so. it's really good, and it, I tell you what, it's very light-hearted considering it covers like really dark subjects so for example death is a character in it and it's like a grim yeah. reaper kind of thing and he is quite serious isn't he and he yeah. does do his job in terms of you know it's, a, it's a philosophic there's philosophical books there's books that satires on say stuff like privatization oh, yeah. but like then the like street. going on from what i said earlier like death is in it but he likes curry and cats yeah so <laughs> yeah it's decent yeah and again um the ones if you can get them on an app or if you have them or if you want to buy them off amazon or other booksellers available or whatever probably recommend starting with mort mm. or going postal which are like two good jumping in points for reading another kind of suggestion for me which in terms of books i think we're going to try and do free each aren't we yeah um these are kind of similar in the sense that you don't really have to have read them in order you can just pick one up 
and it'll kind of explain to you roughly who everyone is mine is quite childish it's something that i read when i was like a young teenager but i bought it again this year and i'm like 26 now so it's been a good like 10 years since i read any of it but it's still very nostalgic to me but it's also nostalgic i think even if i hadn't have read them at the time that i did i still would feel nostalgic if that makes sense so it's the georgia nicholson series by louise renison so a lot of people know of that film i think it's like angus thongs and perfect snogging yeah and that i thought the film was shit to be honest i thought it was fucking crap but these books and what that film was based off these this series and it's so nostalgic it's not like rude or anything like i remember it being labeled for teens when i was younger but there's no like sex in it or anything it's just like young harmless really light-hearted really funny oh i just fucking love it they're a pleasure to read i love just they're really good when you want to sit and you're reading but you don't want to think not think too hard but do you know what i mean there's something you can enjoy and yeah read quickly not necessarily read quickly, but you don't have to just you don't have to think too hard about it. It's not some terrible plot. You're not like frowning when you're reading it. Like I've laughed audibly yeah. in public reading these. That's good, and it's nice when you find a book that can laugh at. Which brings me on to my final choice for book. And talking about funny books just made me think of it. Then it would be uh, either of the Alan Partridge autobiographies, <laughs> ideally both. <laughs> I'll say this about a book, literally, if every single paragraph can make you laugh, then it's doing something right. Because those books are just beyond... They're just written in a way... It's obviously, it's um, Steve Coogan and the writing team for the Alan Partridge thing, writing as Alan Partridge, writing his own autobiography. So all the events that happened to him, like the film and the TV series, and even going back to when he was a character on the radio, it's all shown through this horrible, distorted lens <laughs> of Alan trying to cover his own back or make um, the most excruciating events in the TV show look like great triumphs for himself. And it's just, it's a very good idea that might seem like a bit of a, like, oh, like, like a cash-in book or something like that, but it's very funny. The last book that I have to suggest isn't funny at all. It's actually really dark, but I thought I'd suggest it for this kind of time because it's over a thousand pages long. It's a really fucking dense, multifaceted book, but it's got loads of different things going on in it. And it's a book that I read when I was really young and I actually studied it in my uh, dissertation. And it's The Crimson Petal and the White um, by, I think it's Michael Faber. I think it's Michael. Yeah, it's Michael Faber. Yeah, Yeah, I keep getting Michael and Mark mixed up, but it's definitely Michael. Um, And, oh my, where do I start? Like, one, it's my favourite book. I try and read it every other year if I can. Because it's so fucking dense, there's absolutely no way that I could read it every year. There's no fucking way. Um, And it's um, basically a deep dive into... Um, Victorian Britain but as it actually was you know with like opium dens prostitution um, that kind of thing but it's the main heroine isn't who you would expect the main heroine is um, a sex worker called Sugar who 
she's very slim very kind of pre-raphaelite beautiful you know very slim but well very slim when it wasn't actually that fashionable to be you know they had the big poofy butt things yeah. in the bottom of the, the dresses bustles. the bustles um, yeah the bustles at their, at their asses so she was pale but she had like um what's it called psoriasis that made her look like she had tiger stripes so when i was young and i really suffered from eczema when i was li- little i was like oh my god yes like fuck yeah um and she's like really educated done it all herself long story short um it's about her kind of rise she meets this like pathetic sniveling like silver spooned man who's like you know the heir to a massive like soap upper middle class like victorian wet. yeah pathetic little yeah. Ugh, soft lad i don't know i don't know how to explain him other than that he's pathetic and sniveling and gross and um basically she it's about her rise to kind of prominence by meeting him and how actually you know she was better off how she was before and how you know it kind of challenges that whole victorian idea that at the time women rescuing fallen women exactly and women could only progress through men where actually you see how detrimental this man is to every single woman that he encounters in the book um but sugar is the main center of the book and she's so interesting his wife um who's seen as like the angel of the house and very you know very delicate blonde very frail very childlike um you know very what's it called where you like faint at anything what is it uh, oh you know what i mean though yeah. like you know she's very oh, what is it very, just very delicate yeah. um and it is that but a very typical trope of like the angel in the house you know seen but not heard and she gives the insight into the kind of ooh ladies like posh victorian because she's actually from higher up than him it's just a great look into all the different parts of the victorian social life and it goes all the way from the literal like literal I look into yeah the poorest of the poor like looking into the slums that's where you start and then you build it up and then you look at the kind of what the churches are doing and all their kind of missions that they're going on to save certain parts of London and oh fuck me it's so interesting and in my dissertation to keep it short I studied basically how modern writing of the Victorian era so this book I think was written in the 90s maybe even the late uh, in the mid noughties I'm not sure. For some reason, I want to say 2002. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah, I feel like the nineties is a bit Again, far back. Actually, not important. But no, but 2002 feels right yeah. for some reason. But what I mean is, modern writing of books when they're set in the Victorian era, it's always a retelling of it because basically in the victorian era the books that were published at the time were usually nine times out of ten unless they were like penny dreadfuls or something they were writing about the sensibility of the time how pure and virtuous everybody was you know and it was emphasizing all the all the kind of glory none of the gore do you know what i mean and it skimmed over all the, you know, the opium dens were somehow, you know, never mentioned, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so what we do now is we rewrite 
the story is based off what we actually know to be fact and it includes all of it they don't miss anything even like bits of darwinism are thrown in there obviously casual drug use but all the different how it was inter- interwoven into the different upper echelons of society oh my god i could go on about it for yeah. about a million fucking years as i have just done um so thank you for listening but yeah in short by um the crimson petal and the white by michael faber it is insane and it is well worth a read definitely i've read it as well and i would also highly recommend it mm. it's um different from a lot of well what i would have associated with victorian fiction it's not um like scandal in the tea room because someone's waved a hanky at someone like no it's oh like, fuck no it's that she like descri- oh my god he shagged her at the arse yeah, the like, other week gra- like. Yeah, like, graphic descriptions of like cleaning semen out of your vagina oh yeah I forgot about that like, oh. and that's like a few pages in yeah so yeah it's not it's, a spoiler it's it's yeah. not a spoiler at all i mean there's over a thousand more pages yeah, to, so to read semen cleaning action yeah but again great book <laughs> right well moving on let's move on to albums now i only got two albums and then a genre because i couldn't i got two albums and a podcast nice yes do you want to go first uh yes for my first album i would like to pick pj harvey let england shake Nice. A 2001 Mercury Prize winning album. It is a concept album which looks at the f- First World War and the current wars in the Middle East. Um, I'm a big fan of PJ Harvey. I've loved her work all through her career. But this album's just, I feel like every track is amazing. What she does with the music is not ethereal, but Rather, it spans a lot of genres, but it's always very engrossing. The lyrics are always very interesting. I've never, I've never given her a listen, you know. And I've always, when whenever she's on, I don't turn it off. But I've never gone like, oh, you know, I really fancy listening. So I'm gonna give that a listen, actually. So I feel like with a lot of PJ stuff, obviously the stuff from like the nineties is very famous, like especially. I was gonna say like whenever you've put on a song, I'm like, I've heard this before. Yeah. I know this song. Like. I say stuff like um, Down by the Water. Now, now we've said she's everywhere. Every you can't song. think of anything. Yes, it's <laughs> um, all right. Well, Sheen and the gig, but again, this album is just. I think it's my favorite one that she's done, and I just want to suggest it because, again, a lot of the more popular stuff like it's pretty much every other song on Peaky Blinders oh essentially God. is Apart PJ Harvey. Right if it's not Nick Cave, it's uh, PJ Harvey. But this is just something that's a bit different by her. That's softer. It's more melodic, and I just think it's very beautiful music. Speaking of beautiful, my one, my first of three, well, my first of two albums to suggest is one of the classics. It's my one of my ultimate classics, and it's one that I never get tired of listening to. And as a you know, Brummy girl at heart, it's got to be Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. It has to be. It's not that. It's not Black Sabbath with Dio in it. I'm sorry. They're a totally different band oh, with Dio in. from a Deep Purple. Whatever. Don't care. Unless Ozzy's in it, I'm not interested. Like, love the songs, but totally different band. Shoot me. But Black Sabbath is just one of those albums where, you know, it opens with Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the second that you hear the bell in the background and the rain and... That first... It's like incredibly evocative 
those into. first three notes and you're in and that's it and you're done like and that's all I can't really talk about the album because one it needs no hype and two everybody should know it and if you haven't listened to it and you're listening to this now stop what you're doing get on Spotify and just listen to it all you're welcome I think the brilliant thing is that it's Birmingham's attempt at blues music and it's the black oh yeah it's little white boys trying to do blues but I mean hey they started a fucking whole new genre while they were at it so like spooky fucking blues turned into metal turned into whatever the fuck we've got now like I, I can't fault it it's a fantastic fucking album it really is it is I would highly recommend all of their work and I will say even the Dio stuff nope <laughs> nope 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 we'll say nope. Mob Rules is a nope. great album nope nope um, what's next album say fucking nice. Black Sabbath nope. with Dio in it I'll kill nope. you no I will say uh, from 2004 <gasps> you hate the early noise no this is an album which every person who I've brought this band to has had an incredibly positive reaction and you brought to. it to me I don't think I have have you I tried I mentioned it no it's the 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster with their 2004 debut album Horse and the Dog you've never mentioned this once to me you know it is an amazing are they like captain beefheart vibes no it's like i can't believe it just said vibes it is like psycho billy Billy. it's very chugging guitars and the songs are just incredibly catchy i am on my phone just to double check i got a yet horse the dog i got in my head and it was actually 2002 so even earlier noughties era who are you it's just an amazing album just because every song's a banger it's about 25 35 minutes long it's none of it is like oh i feel intense i have to force myself it's not like so many bands have been told to listen to where it's like the album's two and a half hours long and you have to sit and like no no this is really good if you don't get it you're a fucking idiot like <laughs> godspeed you black emperor <laughs> swans, <laughs> swans. Uh, but yeah it's um no, I, I do like Godspeed, though. <laughs> but basic, it's okay, just, no. every song's just an absolute banger. Like, they're so catchy, you can get up and mosh to them. And again, everyone I've met, when you say you like this band and they like this band, it's like, oh my fucking God. It's like, almost like a cult film, but I feel like it's a cult album. And it was massively underappreciated in the time which I think is an absolute shame because all the albums they've released are just fucking solid. See, th- that's how that's how I feel about the next one. So this next album is by... It's his... I think... Um, I don't think it's his solo debut album. Um, his debut solo album, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, I, th- I think he might have done one on his own, but he is the lead singer of one of my favourite bands, Savage Garden. Um, Darren Hayes and he did an album called Spin and I honestly think even though he had that one song that like hit the fucking charts that insatiable one I have no idea what that song oh is. my god it's amazing it's like it's like pop excellence right can you sing it's, it no not at all not, not even a little bit it's got like all the kind of it's got all the pop cheese that you want but I don't think he does too much I've had a few people say that they think like the album is cheesy 
but I love it and I think it's great. I think it's all the aspects of pop that you want. So it's got like that insatiable song that I just mentioned. That one hit the charts and I think that was, um, well, in England anyway, because um, he's an Australian man. Um, I think that song was massive. I remember hearing it on the radio all the time. And I don't think... He, he might not have released any of the singles from the album, or at least I didn't... Oh, apart from Strange Relationship. To ignore everything that I've just said, basically. It's just a fucking pop masterpiece, if I have to be honest. It is brilliant. So it's got, like, all the all the bits of pop. So he sings like he's in a boy band. He can do all the high-pitched bits. He can do, like, a bit of low. He does all the... Like that kind of shit, like he's dancing. What year was this album from? I thought, oh, fuck knows, I can't remember. I look it up, Darren Hayes spin. Darren Hayes. Look it up while I'm talking. Um, but it's got like the songs with like a bit of a Latin feel, like a bit of Spanish kind of guitar in the background. There's like a throwback to like 1980s, there's like futuristic bits in there, there's like funk and oh, fuck me, it's how you are. 1997. 1997, spin. Darren Hayes oh, no, released has Savage Garden. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, because he was in Savage Garden. Let's see, Darren Hayes spin. Two thousand two again. Two thousand two. Obviously, yeah. a stellar year for music. Oh mate, honestly, that fucking album is insane. I absolutely love it because it just shows its absolute diversity. At its peak, its pop diversity. You know how it, like I mentioned, with the Latin and the funk and the like. You can dance to it, and then there's serious ones, and then there's like kind of croony, lovey-dovey ones, and then there's one about like really sexual and meh. It's just brilliant. It's everything I want from pop. Anyway, I fucking love it, and I love stuff like boy bands. I love things like Kylie. I love a bit of cringe, me, and I just think it's perfect, and that is how I feel. <laughs> That's just that. I'm. You're you're wincing at me now. You're absolutely I'm wincing at me. Whether or not I'm going to listen to it. I don't think, honestly, because you're very judgy. Well, about, that's just. <laughs> no, you're judgy about pop, and you're judgy about boy bands, and that kind of. I don't want to say vibe again. I fucking hate the word vibe. That kind of feel. You don't like it. No, it's not my so, vibe. Yeah, it's. <laughs> You little shit. Um, I don't think you'll like it, but I love it. And I think he's fantastic. And I think his lyrics are great as well. He's a really good songwriter. And Savage Garden are a fucking amazing band as well. So, yeah, shut up. Say your next album. (laughs) Carrying on. Well, my final choice isn't an album because... I couldn't think of anything, to be fair. <laughs> I just love so much music that I couldn't name one more. But it's a podcast. It's um, got quite a few episodes on it. It's called Bad Gays. Yes. And as someone who's recently come out of the closet as bisexual, oh, I now have licence. I, I forgot have, about that. Yeah, I have now have licence to lecture everyone and everything on it. <laughs> But anyway, basically, it's very... It makes a nice break from... I used to listen to, like, a few queer podcasts, and a lot of it is very, like, yes, queen, this is great, everything's great, but it's, it's almost refreshing to listen to stories about... It's just honest, about, isn't it? It's honest yeah, about, about... like, the horrible... It's every single episode, barring one, is about a cis, white, gay man, <laughs> and insofar 
they did one episode on a um, trans female to male man but that was a Christmas special but it wasn't particularly festive but I don't know why it was a Christmas yeah, it's special about ev- it's about evil people in history that were gay isn't it or well on- I just complicated it says uh, complicated people so it looks yeah I've only ever listened to one and they talked about an absolute bastard I can't remember who it was though uh, they've done them on like um, absolute bastards like Ernst Rom, uh, Roy Cohn. I think it was uh, yeah. uh, then a uh, more complicated ones like Pierce Gaveston who medieval gay and uh, Leopold and Loeb, the um, murderers. Nikki Cray was in an episode. And it's Nikki just, Cray, yeah. It's very interesting. I feel like with a lot of factual podcasts and a lot of podcasts in general, it does feel like people reading out Wikipedia articles to one another mm. and then adverts for fucking mattresses and Blue Apron and Stamps.com. <laughs> no, but, but it's their it opinion feel... as well as so facts both, that they the, found out. I can't out. remember the names, but like the both one the both historians, one's on the like on the board of directors for the gay museum in Berlin, they're both very well educated, the funny they obviously have a lot of knowledge on the subjects they're talking about. And they've put a lot of care into it as yeah. well. They've done a lot of research in every single episode. I really like it. I don't listen to it as often as I should. But that's because I, t- I try, even if I'm listening to, like, really maybe morbid subjects. Sorry, I'm just shuffling, trying to get comfy. Um, Even if I listen to kind of more morbid subjects, I like to listen to stuff that's going to make me laugh and make me happy. So... And while they are quite funny, they are very factual as well. It's yeah. a very well thought out factual podcast, I find. But yeah, no, great shout, to be honest. My last bit as far as stuff to listen to is the polar opposite of what we've just said. Um, it's just, sorry, I've got a yawn coming. <sighs> it's just a suggestion of things to listen to. Um, kind of going off the way of albums and that is if you can get your hand on there's plenty of um playlists on youtube they're also all on spotify disney soundtracks god knows we need them now and i'm not being funny but you can't sit and tell me that you can listen to any song off the tarzan soundtrack and tell me that phil collins didn't go there for us he didn't have to go there for us, and he did. He brought it to us. He did it to him. And he did it hard on the drums. Fuck me, that's a good fucking pl- song. Blah. Well, it's could that not just be your album? Hey? Could that just not be the, your album? He didn't album? release a fucking album going to, called Tarzan, did he? No, but it could it's be... a couple of songs. The Disney album, the soundtrack to Tarzan. But it, he did it. I feel like there's a lot more songs than... Um, to be fair, though... When I, when I wrote Disney soundtracks, right, I had Tarzan in mind, but I also had the Hunchback of Notre Dame songs in mind. They're good. I've but never not... heard anything more epic than the beginning when, you know, when it's panning in and you can see Notre Dame kind of appear out of the clouds. And when they're doing that long note at the end, you can just hear one operatic woman <laughs> at the back of everybody going, like really fucking high pitch and it gives me shivers every time and when they go like full dark catholic on us it's an odd film but it's very good it's odd because i didn't realize watching it as a kid you don't realize how fucking dark it is until 
you get older and you understand all the connotations and you're like, oh, Frollo wants to fuck Esmeralda, right? Yeah, there's some like infant, oh. <laughs> infanticide to the um, gargoyles. Like, I'm losing to a bird. But yeah, it's a bit, um, you know, it's good, but it's a bit whiplash all over the place. But you never bought. Excuse me, what do you what do you mean? You're gonna that's have to my, elaborate on that. That's my review. Like, it's all over. That's, that's my review. <laughs> my review is: it's a good film. It's all over the shop when it comes to tone, but you never bought. What do you mean? But what do you mean? It it's so from... depressing. It's it's no, so it depressing with and like, it's so mad. It's it's very dark for a Disney film, which and it's very sexy. That's why I like it's it. It's also I'm a probably goth. the only Disney film that I can think of off the top of my head which has very obvious like sexual undertones to it. But it's not it. obvious. I didn't have a fucking clue. No, but when it's I was not obvious to a kid. But when an adult's watching it, they're like, yeah, Frollo wants to fucking plow his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, but it's all the same. All Disney films have a little bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge in it. Yeah, but not like Frodo's got the follows got the. No, it's only Lion King. You literally see Mufasa's fucking corpse. You literally see it. When I was a little kid, it upset me so much that I couldn't process it. I thought he was just asleep. I couldn't process death because it upset me so much. Yeah, but he's not. His body would look a bit different. Trampled to death by wildebeest. But you see his corpse. Do you or do you not see his corpse? Do you see his corpse, yes, but... Exactly. Scar doesn't want to fuck the corpse, does it? Lolo. <laughs> they're lions. <laughs> that really fast. They're, they're lions that don't have morals. Oh, God. Yeah, but I do. <laughs> no. But it's like Road to El Dorado, right? That isn't a Disney film, I know. But Road to El Dorado, the whole Chal and Tulio thing... That's because... Come on. Whenever Disney is at this is my favourite, whenever Disney is at its apex, it needs a rival who can be more edgy. Nah, so like, Road to Eldorado is god tier. It's no, not edgy, like, it's god when, tier. When Disney were making like Elton another another soundtrack, Elton John went fucking hard on that. No, it like when Disney was like making like Mickey Mouse cartoons and stuff like that, you had like Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and Hannah Barbera. And they're a bit more out there. Than what? Disney. So you've got Lion King, and then fucking what is it? Is it? Is it Miramax? It's not Miramax, is it? Uh, who did Don Bluth? Who was doing like? No, but a... who did the Prince of Egypt? That was DreamWorks. DreamWorks, because they did, yeah, because DreamWorks did Road to El Dorado as well. Yeah. So you get a fucking Lion King, you're like, hmm, how can I make this more depressing? And then they fucking release the Prince of Egypt, and it's like, oh my god, I I still cry at that. I still weep. Interesting at that film. tidbit during DreamWorks when it was animation, everyone was dying to work on like Prince of Egypt, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Co, Road to El Dorado. There was a shitty film they were making that was CGI that was nicknamed a gulag for animators who were sent there because it was considered so dire. And that film was Shrek. Oh, you told me. When Shrek was released, it fucking blew everything out of the water. And all of a sudden, DreamWorks' whole thing completely changed overnight and stopped with the, um, like, they even changed the fucking. They changed everything. They literally changed. even, you know, the DreamWorks logo of the little kid putting the fucking... He's sat on the moon and he's dropping the fishing rod. He's fishing. They even yeah. changed... Yeah, all right. Yeah. They, they even changed the soundtrack to Miramax... Not Miramax. Why do I keep saying Miramax? I've no idea why you keep on saying They keep... Cha- they changed the DreamWorks soundtrack on their actual logo. 
to match Shrek's and they put it in every the tree film Tree roasted parts some shit films after Shrek. Like what? Over the Hedge. Shark Tale. Yeah, that was just weird. Yeah. Angelina Jolie is a really sexy fish. Yes, yeah, sexy. <laughs> Martin Scorsese <laughs> is a puffer fish with big eyebrows. Yeah. Anyway, we've we've got a bit distracted now, but essentially Disney soundtracks mainly Tarzan and Hunchback of Notre Dame and also Hercules is a very strong contender with the fates or whatever they're called singing. Oh, the muses. That's the muses, it. yes. They're ace at the beginning. But let's move on. We've got one little last bitty before we go of activities to do yes. while you're stuck inside. So I've got one, and it's a bit controversial. I'm going to start, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, Mine's a bit controversial, mainly because... Oh, sorry, because we all did... Mine's a bit controversial because I've seen loads of fucking people, especially on Instagram, talking about this right now. Obviously, you know, there's people worrying about how they're going to pay their bills and stuff like that with the whole lockdown thing. And there's a lot of people going on OnlyFans at the moment. And there's a lot of people posting more risque content online. Myself included, by the fucking way. Um, I have an 18 plus Instagram where I basically post what I want because it makes me feel fucking good. And that's it. And I think a lot of people are going down that route. And I know from first-hand experience that the vast majority of these people starting OnlyFans will already have these pictures and all already have this content that they're posting on there everybody does everybody has this content and that's why i don't understand why so many people are shitting on them for doing it so many people are like huh well i'm gonna be skint better start up and only fans it's like yeah bitch do that then make money make fucking money do it because it's there's no shame in it there's absolutely no shame in doing any of it people are gonna be inside and you know what a lot of people tend to do when they're bored. I'll just leave it at that. Devil finds work for idle hands. Well, exactly. Yeah. Nail, nail on the head. Um, and at the end of the day, if you have the confidence and if you have the pride in your body, and, you know, you a lot goes into taking kind of more risque pictures. You do your hair. Um, from a woman's perspective, obviously, I can't really speak from a man or, you know, any other kind of gender identities view. Um, but strictly from from a kind of woman or femme's perspective, you do your hair, you do your makeup, you stick your gear on, um, and then you pose in a way that you feel attractive. You find your best pictures and then you upload them. And I've found it a very gratifying process to do, especially as a plus size person. Um, and to be honest, I've really fucking enjoyed it. And I think anyone that tried to shit on me or shame me for doing it, it's nothing that your partners or whoever you've been sexually active with hasn't already done every partner i've had men woman men woman men with men man woman or otherwise have all we have all exchanged provocative pictures or provocative videos but it doesn't have to be just nudes it can be anything you can sell shit that's just got an undertone that has no nudity in it and people will buy it and that's the thing that all these people have found is a way to capitalise on it and, you know, make a form of income from it. And you know what? Fucking do it. There's absolutely no so harm. There's think... no shame. You're not hurting anyone. You're not doing anything wrong. 
There's absolutely no harm or shame in doing it. And if you've been sat on these pictures and you're listening to this now and you've been thinking about popping something on, whether it's OnlyFans, whether you just start an 18 plus Instagram like me and you're not really sure what you're doing, you're not really sure if you're gonna make any money, but you just want the confidence boost or you just maybe want a network for people that will either appreciate your body shape, other people that have your body shape, or you literally want people to look at your pictures and go, wow, you're fucking fit because people will. It doesn't matter what you look like, people fucking will. You will find an audience then do it I feel like a lot of well some people still view any sort of vaguely sexual work not just like sex work but again anything that's vaguely sex as last resort stuff and now people couldn't possibly the implication that you're desperate yeah and it's not something that it's not something that you'd want to do that's rather something you begrudgingly have to do yeah and it's like no a lot of people have now chosen to it's like any other job it's like any sex work is a job number one and all it is is just another self-employed job where you take your employment into your own hands that's all it is that's all it should be and thankfully people are growing up a bit more now and i think realizing there's no fucking stigma all of these pictures that you pay for or all of these things that you videos that you pay to view are all pictures that pretty much everybody has in their own phones it's just not everyone has you know the sense to put it online not everybody wants that career for themselves which is fine but you don't have to shit on the people that want it or that embrace it or that are confident enough to do it it is just another avenue it's like fucking you know topless models used to get shat on back in the day for pursuing that kind of lifestyle and that kind of career you know and it just seems to you know as as broad as our kind of boundaries get for like what is nudity what isn't and what is acceptable and what isn't people still people still want to be fucking whiny little prudes about it and it's like if you don't want to if you don't want to look at this content don't pay for it exactly if you don't you like don't, it don't look. you don't have the right to tell people that what they're doing for a career when it's not hurting anybody it's not doing anything other than usually giving them the control over their income and allowing them to be self-employed and allowing people to voluntarily pay and go look you're beautiful or you're amazing or you're fucking hot i want to see your content here here's some money here's a subscription get a nail on the head on a tangent this is tangentially this tangent is tangentially related to it but i went for a job interview last year well, I'll say last year. Dece- it was last year, but December doesn't really feel like last year. And walking out of it on one of the walls in the building, nailed on there, were ancient, sun-faded, cut-out nudes from, like, Zoo or Nuts magazine. And, like, these sun-faded relics that had like survived... page three. Yeah, that had, like, survived God knows how many HR meetings. <laughs> God knows how many seminars on conduct in the workplace they had survived all of them and it just felt almost well i don't know it would feel working there and perhaps seeing it every day but it felt almost charming that these like tatty things were just like not safety pins that's stupid like blue tack to the wall like yellowing newspaper um my recommendation for an activity would be cooking because I feel like I personally find cooking to be quite good for 
my um, mental health. It feels like something that you can have control over. You decide what you put in. You decide about the meal. And it just feels nice eating something that you've cooked. I also appreciate as well, in times like this, where there's um, people like, oh, fucking hell, what's the name? I'm going to have to look at my phone. Um, I think, oh, what is it? They they released um, a book called A, um, a Boy... Oh, no, a girl called Jack. Uh, Jack Monroe. Jack Monroe, that's it. Yeah. They do a series of books... Um, and it's like cooking on a shoestring, yeah. making meals out of tin literally chef, yeah, it, tin cans and like really basic things. And I've followed their Instagram for a very long time. And I followed them at the time when they were, I think they were writing for that book where it was like writing, um, where they were writing uh, cooking on a shoestring or something like that. I think it is cooking on a shoestring, but I'll, I'll confirm. Um, and yeah, they literally, I've seen pictures of the dishes that they put together with like literally two pounds worth of ingredients and I think that could be quite apt for right now without getting too depressing you know people making meals go a long way that kind of thing people not wanting to maybe use up everything in their cupboards being a bit more frugal with food I think books like that can really help and another chef sorry to interrupt another chef I recommend like that is Nadia Hussain of the British Bake Off. I met yeah. her, you know. Oh. oh my God. No, literally, I, I met her and I froze. I wanted to say hello to her. And she just looked at me and smiled. And I was just there like, ah! and she could tell that I was just like dying inside because I wanted to say hello. But she was with the kids and I felt really weird. And I was it's just like, like ah! but yeah, sorry, like, one, on. sorry. One thing I like about um, Nadia is that she obviously, not she acknowledges like, I have two kids, like, you shouldn't feel bad for using convenient food like I don't know, like tinned peaches in a recipe rather than farting around like getting fresh, fresh ones stuff, to put them up yeah. and like that it's a convenience and you shouldn't feel bad for using it which I feel like is a big relief of course I feel like so much of what you're bombarded with when it comes to cooking organic fresh everything yes everything has to you're be you're a bad parent if you do this you're a bad parent fresh, if you do that if you can't fa- if you can't find your daikon radish, there is no substitute. You have to traipse <laughs> and find the daikon radish. Find the nearest waitrose immediately. Yes. Yeah. No, she's perfect. I love her so much. Oh, Nadia. But yeah, um, carrying on for the activities then. Cooking's a really good one. I hadn't thought of that. Um, my next one is make a podcast. Yes. And, you know, I think... A lot of people, especially working from home, I've been putting on like just lo-fi music because I find that if I listen to, if I listen to a podcast, I want to listen to it. So it's yeah. usually when I'm walking somewhere and I'm not paying attention to what's around me, and I can really listen to the words. But I know that some people like to work and listen to podcasts in the background. Um, in which case, we need a lot more fucking content, you and I. But also. Yes. People in general, if you've got something, even if you don't think you're particularly interested, because I'm not being funny, like, I think, well, I know I'm a gobshite, but, and I think you're interested, but I don't think... I, I like to think I'm incredibly interested. But, uh... <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think I'm particularly interested, but I'm a gobshite, so, and I wanted to make a podcast, so we did. But if you have something interesting to talk about, if you have a passion, if you have a subject that you're really passionate about, 
there's no fucking harm in making a podcast. Yeah. Even you know, we don't get advertisers. We're not in it for the money. We do it because it's something fun to do, and it'll it takes up our evening. And you it's know, it's nice to talk about stuff you enjoy, and you know, hopefully without sounding too if I can change the world if oh, I can God. if I can if <laughs> just comes. the whole Lisa Simpson like if we just reach one child and you know Aww. yeah but yeah just sit down with whoever you with you can do it over webcam and you can do it by voice notes if you wanted to and you know yeah, yeah. just literally just start a fucking podcast if you've got something interesting to say convolute the fucking market like it doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. Yeah, just do it. Put it in your Instagram. Like, you know, if your mates listen to it, great. Yeah. You're the most famous friend because you've got a podcast. <laughs> Until everyone gets one, then you have to one-up them somehow. Compete. Compete. If anyone would like to suggest any ways you could one-up your friends when you all have podcasts, then that would be very much suggested. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, what think, was your next one? It, oh, yeah, because it's my turn. <laughs> you can think. <laughs> you can think. You Sassy. can pretend you're listening to me and think of your own. I would just recommend watching, you know, just, I know it sounds really fucking Oh God, bad. what are you going to say? I'm just going to say, just watch fucking telly. Just watch telly? Yeah, when you're stuck in the house, I feel like putting on no. like, your favourite film. YouTube deep dives, they're the one. No, but I feel like when you sit down and just put on like your favourite film or watch your favourite TV series, there's something very relaxing about it. But dirt, babe, that's so obvious. Well, exactly. So <laughs> ob- It's a yeah, self-evident but... truth that... Yeah, but you know, it's a self-evident truth that people don't need someone in a podcast to go like, oh, that's so clever. Well, you know, well, maybe I'll change it a bit. You should definitely, <laughs> you should definitely watch all those series that people have been badgering about you endlessly to watch. Yes, but, no, that's a good one actually. Yes. No, that's a really good idea actually because I'm a fucking bug out. Like when people suggest shit to me, I'm like yeah, 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 I'll watch it. I don't, I don't know what it is, and I think it's a problem that I have. Getting you to watch anything is impossible because ne- I have to watch it when flat, I want to. You flat out reject any offer or suggestion to watch anything new whatsoever because i have to watch it when i want and you know when i want to watch it is when it's not popular anymore and i can't talk to anyone about it because they're all over it i do it to myself constantly i didn't get into peaky blinders until none of my mates in birmingham gave a shit and by then i wasn't interested in really talking to anyone else about it i do it to myself all the fucking time We'll say my suggestions for series to watch Twin Peaks Kingdom fucking Kingdom oh, sorry sorry yes. <laughs> really sorry I, I couldn't that tell myself there but Kingdom is very good South Korea oh my god zombie it's like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead had but... a way better fucking baby that's set in the medieval times not medieval that's a bit too far yeah but medieval medieval South uh, Korea yeah medievally um south korea i'm not sure the specific date but yeah it's just it's fucking fantastic and i don't care if you're a weenie that goes like oh, don't want to read subtitles. fucking watch it, it is yes. phenomenal absolutely was, fucking insane before I so rudely interrupted <laughs> i would recommend twin peaks carnival which is kind of like twin peaks 
but set in the 1930s dust bowl and it's all about like gnostic christianity and the forces of good of evil clashing and there's like tarot cards and the knights templar and god and the devil it's beautiful and i would highly recommend watching if you like your occult stuff another series comedy this country on bbc3 the last episode is showing tonight go back watch every single one because it's fucking hysterical especially if you've grown up in like a small town or village and just everything about it is just so funny it's just yeah it's just like these two cousins fighting around in a tiny village in the Cotswolds yeah just watch it It, you'll not be disappointed okay and I think that's it I mean I can't really think of anything else for an activity other than make a podcast this is podcast making only fun fans and everything else is pretty obvious really um so just before we go have you got any kind of last little parting shots of anything to say i've got one that's the only reason why i asked uh, i'm not really interested in what you have to say well fair enough. <laughs> I'm messing. i wasn't gonna joking. S- i wasn't actually gonna say anything but now I, am. <laughs> but, um, I would just say if you're feeling lonely or anything don't hesitate to message us or if you have any ideas again don't hesitate uh, you can find us on Instagram. I'm at Plague of Dom. Perhaps not apt at this time. That's P L A G U E O F D O M. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so, if you have any ideas or suggestions or just want to chat or reach out about anything, then Same. yeah, just message. I'm at Kitty Calders, K I T T Y C A L D E R S. Um. But otherwise, I think one thing that I would say, well, it's two things really, and they're kind of interlinked. One is there's a lot of pressure to be productive in this time. I know that we've listed things that you can do. Some of them are quite, you know, like, for, say, making an only fan. Some of them are quite high velocity. Like, it's a lot of stuff to do. Some are pretty low maintenance, like reading a book. But at no point in this time period where we're in, you know, isolation or whatever the fuck you want to call it, should you feel the need or pressure to be productive? No, I feel like now with um, capitalism in sh- shits the fan mode, all the shops are closing, there's everything you'll see will be absolutely looking for some way to encourage you to spend money that is either saying, oh, well, if you don't learn three new fucking languages, become like and yoga lose master about a million and lose stone. a million stone, then you've wasted your quarantine and it's like you can't waste quarantine because nobody wants no one to be expected it no one no one expected this nobody really knows how to navigate it in the best way because none of us have really experienced anything like this before so if, with that in mind there's no way that you can do it wrong no if you if your version of looking after yourself or your version of taking care of your mental health means that you know you have some days where you can't move out of bed because i have days like that then that's just how it is. No, and if you want to eat all your quarantine biscuits and all your quarantine chocolate, like oh, I have, fuck it, like yeah. I have, all, fu- <laughs> I've eaten all mine already. Yeah, <laughs> but like, who, to... who fucking cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, you haven't got a billion eyes looking at you, going, you know, oh well, why haven't you come out of this with a six pack? You know, it's it's not that they're not realistic goals. You need to, if anything, if anything, you have to do. Is just set realistic goals for yourself and if your realistic goal is just literally getting out of bed and having a shower or feeding yourself 
or sitting down in front of the telly. Like calling someone or even just texting someone. You can you can have you can be as unproductive or as productive as you want, but there is no pressure either way. No. And that's just that. And I think that's what I want to leave on because again, like I said, I mean we've said a load of things that you can do. But equally if you don't want to do fucking any of it and you literally just want to sit and chill, then you can. Yeah, don't know anything. No one we're not all all gonna merge from quarantine as polyglot, beautiful Greek statuesque people. Like we're just, we're just gonna emerge and we're all probably gonna be very desperate to just get back in touch with each other. Mate, I'm gonna become a fucking sesh right after this. Like, I'm gonna be so desperate, I'm gonna hug and like snog all of our friends. Yes, I'm just gonna as much physical contact as humanely. I want to lie in the middle of our friends, just roll around on the ground with about ten of them. Yes. But until then, let's be good and you know, just hang out at home. Let's be good. Hide the quarantine chocolate where you'll forget about it. Fuck that. No, take responsibility for yourself. Like we just said, if you want to fucking eat it, then you fucking eat it. You don't have to make apologies to anyone. I'm spending so much money on... Chocolate, because you're, like, replenishing it. (laughs) No, but I never eat it. I never eat chocolate. I never have a sweet tooth. But now, for some reason, my mind is just grazing. But that's just how it is. Like we said, that's just how it be. I know. If you want to eat, then you want to eat. There ain't no judgment. There never has been, because that's stupid. Is indeed the only person putting the pressure on is myself. Do you want to repeat that in not the only person putting pressure on myself is myself? Exactly, yes. So, yeah, we're gonna go now, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll be a bit more regular with this now. Fingers crossed. I know, yeah. Speak to you all soon. Speak to you all soon. Bye. 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 Bye.